This is a wee bit of everything. The podcast that explores all things sport and teaching. Hello there and welcome to the A Wee Bit of Everything podcast with your hosts Lewis and Clark. Thanks for coming back to tune in to this week's episode. We really are amazed by all the support we have received from everyone so far. Our partner of the podcast is Premiership Experience who have played a big role in helping us develop. Premiership Experience offer fantastic sports tours within the UK and abroad so be sure to check them out on Twitter at Prem Experience. This is a professional learning platform where we get ideas and insights from like-minded professionals. Our vision is to inspire, to teach and to entertain. So let's get started with this week's episode of A Wee Bit of Everything. This week on the A Wee Bit of Everything podcast, we are joined by Scottish former footballer and coach Archie Knox. He was most recently the assistant manager of Aberdeen until leaving the club in March 2013. Archie worked under Sir Alec Ferguson as an assistant manager at Aberdeen and Manchester United, where he won the European Cup Winners' Cup with the former. And he also worked with Walter Smith at Rangers, helping him achieve the famous nine in a row back in the 1990s. As Lewis said, Archie's been out of a job since March 2013, but I'm sure he's got so many stories and interesting insights on coaching, management, and just general stories about his biggest achievements and challenges as a coach. Looking forward to getting him on, so let's get him on. Right, how are you doing, Archie? Um, welcome to a wee bit of Everton por- uh, podcast. Thanks for joining us. How's things? Yes, doing away not too bad, and same as everybody else in this sort of pandemic stuff. Uh, I wish it was all over for everybody, but um, I think we've got a bit, a bit of time to go with that. But uh, hopefully, it'll get clear at some stage. I know, I know, but keeping safe as well. So hopefully, that's a. Aye, exactly. Then that's what you've got to do, right enough. Yeah, keep each other safe. Aye. So uh, thanks, thanks for joining us tonight to share your experience in football coaching and, and management. Um, we can't wait to get started. So. Before we do kind of get into that side of it, would you be able to give us and the listeners a wee background information on your career to date? Aye, you mean uh, in the playing and management? Aye, we, we can have yeah, uh, My playing career wasn't, wasn't outrageously great or anything like that, but... Uh, <laughs> aye, you know, touch on both. Touch on both. I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll touch on a wee bit, aye. So I started, I had a trial game at Alloa Athletic, right? I played for Errol Juniors up in Perthshire. And I had a trial game for Allow Athletic and, uh, you know, a couple of games there. And then uh, I was invited up to Forfar mm-hmm. and uh, I signed for Forfar. And uh, I got a fantastic signing on fee at Forfar. That's why I chose Forfar. And that was £20. That was my signing. £20 <laughs> a week? Was tw- no, £20. That was the signing on fee. <laughs> my, wages were, my wages were £5 a week. Did that go far a five or a week? We did know too bad Aye. because I was an apprentice joiner, right? Okay. right? And when I started in the apprentice joiner, you laugh just like my grandchildren laugh. When I started as an apprentice joiner, um, I got £2.50 a week for 42 hours. So there you go. And my, kid, my, my grandkids and I just laugh at that, you know. What does, what does that work out as an hour? Have you done that? 
<laughs> oh god, I'll be about thruppings an hour or something like that. <laughs> my, my first ever pint, right? And I didn't have a pint until I was eighteen. No. Uh, was one in a penny, so that'd be six pence or something now. Oh, that'd be good. Be good <laughs> so that's that how now. far you're going back, lads. I'm afraid. That's uh, how far you're going back. So anyway, in my playing career, then four uh, far. Uh, and I was lucky to hang in there because it was committee that picked team to start with and then I had uh, two or three managers at Forfar because I was there for five years before uh, I signed for St Mirren. Right. And uh, was actually... That top, was that in the top league then? Or was that still... Was that the first division? How, was, how many divisions was it back then? I know, I, it was the two divisions. Two divisions. That was, that was the top division, aye. Right. Um, so I signed for St Mirren. Uh, the manager then was Alec Wright and uh, Willie McLean, and then uh, th these are names that a lot of your people will know, remember, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, Willie McLean, and then uh, Wilson Humphreys, who was a, a school teacher as well, teacher of uh, English in that at Motherwell, one of the schools in Motherwell, sort of right. thing, uh, and a great guy. So, um, so I went from there. Um, so that was me. At, uh, I headed then to uh, Dundee United for the princely signing uh, for the princely sum transfer fee of two and a half thousand pounds, right? Mm -hmm. So that was me at Dundee United, and I spent I think it was about five years. You'll have a record there more than me. I can remember, but it was about five years at Dundee United. Jim McLean. I was Jim McLean's first ever signing. Uh, I was Jim McLean's first ever signing for Dundee United. Right, okay. And uh, you know, it was great because I learned so much. You know, I was fortunate enough to, um, you know, I got a pelvic injury, and Jim McLean, because I was going to coaching courses and stuff like that, he allowed me to take the reserve teams and Good. and that type of thing. So it was it was fantastic. From there. I went back, because of my injury, I went back part-time so to get a job again, and I went to Montrose part-time. And I was only at Montrose about oh, six months, maybe less than that, and uh, Forfar came in for me and wanted me to be player-manager. Uh, so I went to Forfar, and um, I was... Well, five years at Forfar, I think, uh, as player-manager. And uh, I can remember, I started up a league there for reserve teams, you know, for the Angus teams, the part-time teams and stuff, Good. where you could play in a training night. And I got Aberdeen, Dundee, Dundee United, uh, St. Johnson, all them to join it. And we just organised the games by, by ourselves. Mm -hmm. but, so it worked out great. And I remember... Uh, we were playing Aberdeen one Tuesday night and Alec Ferguson came down with, with the team and um, he, he, he just came in the door and he asked me, he says, uh, can I have a word with you a minute? So I, so I took him into my wee office in Forfa. Mm -hmm. He barely got two people in, but anyway, we were all right with that. And he, I mean, the simple thing, it's just so simple all these things that I'm going to say to you that that he said to me, he says, how do you fancy becoming my assistant at Aberdeen? Because Pat Stanton had left to go back down to Edinburgh. And uh, I said, oh, that would be great. He says, when can you start? I says, tomorrow. He says, all right, 
come up tomorrow, he says, because we've got a game tomorrow night, a pre-season friendly against 20 Enskede, Dutch team. Right. So I went up, uh, like watched that. the game, and uh, met the chairman, the whole lot. Um, didn't even know what I was going to get paid. I mean, you, you wouldn't believe that, but that was the way it was in these days. I was so delighted to be getting an opportunity uh, and they just, won the league. they just won the league Aberdeen mm-hmm. and uh, it was a great opportunity for me to get back in among a lot of top class players there. Uh, Willie, McCall- Willie Millers and Alec McLeish and Jim Layton, Gordon Strachan, Mark McGee. Um, unfortunately, big Neil Cooper's no longer with us, but uh, that was it. Peter Weir, uh, a great and a great era for uh, for Aberdeen, mm. absolutely f- fantastic. From yeah. there, so what position were you actually? I couldn't really find that out. For sorry, I was assistant manager. No, no, I mean, um, what position were you um, during your playing career? Were you um, anywhere, anywhere okay. I could get in the team? You know, even when, even even when I was picking the team at four for that. If you needed a right back, I would play right back. If you needed a, a centre half. I started off as a centre forward at, at Forfar, you know. Right, right. But um, I don't think I, I don't think I was going to go far in that position if I'd if I'd moved up. Although I got transferred to St Mirren uh, as a as a, from Forfar as a centre forward, uh, and did all right in the season I was there. But uh, aye, so from Aberdeen, from being at Aberdeen. Um, well, that's no that. That's a, that's. I mean, obviously, we had a great a, a great spell at Aberdeen, you know, winning, uh, culminating in winning the Cup Winners' Cup against Real Madrid, which is an absolutely phenomenal team. phenomenal achievement. Uh-huh. Um, you want me to go through some of that because there's loads of teams that I've been involved with, you know, as assistant and stuff. So I went from Aberdeen and uh, down to Dundee as manager at Dundee. Yep. And uh and then I went to the World Cup in nineteen eighty six in Mexico with Alec Ferguson. Right. And he asked me then, he says, Would you come would you consider coming back to Aberdeen? Uh-huh. And uh because somebody else was leaving and uh I says, Well, I have never thought of that. He says I'll make you I'll he says I'll make you the joint manager. I says, I'll believe that when I when I see it. <laughs> but anyway, Anyway, I went back up. It had been two and a half years at Dundee. Did okay, but you know, you never know. I mean, I was selling the best players and that sort of stuff. So you know, I don't know how long it's going to last. Yeah. So from Dundee, I went back to Aberdeen, and uh, that was when we had the, the the great spell back there. And then uh, there was one day I was doing the training in the afternoon at Aberdeen, and um, Alec Ferguson come driving up in his car and uh, I saw him reversing along where I was because we didn't have training pitches in these days mm-hmm. it was only it was, it, was no, it was just the public parks we ah. trained in Aberdeen never had, never had, never had a pitch to train on so it wasn't just, ex- you didn't have exclusive use of the park or that was it just oh, oh god no, no, no dugs and all that aye people walking dugs the, the whole <laughs> lot kids playing about and with the aye. chase aim before we got <laughs> I pitched it out and took up portable goals every every morning. That that sort of thing. But uh, it was a it was a, a fantastic uh, experience. Well, it would have been. As I say, go, going to the you know, can cover the games and that later. But 
from there, uh, as I said, Alec Ferguson come up in his car, uh, he's reversing along, and I'm saying, oh, he's got, because my mother wasn't well at that particular time, and I thought, he's coming with bad news for me, you know. So I go, I go up, he winds down the window of the car, he says, uh, we're going to Man United. Just like that, we're going to Man United. And I said, when is that? He says, the night. <laughs> I says, I've got a wife and kids in that, for Christ's sake. I'll need to consult them. Oh, he says, well, I need to know. I need to know right away. So I just had to make up my mind right away. He says, you're going to get offered the job at Aberdeen, right? Now, we'd done it at Aberdeen, so and the chance to go to a club like Manchester United... No, you couldn't knock it back. For God's sake, you couldn't have, You couldn't refuse that. Mm-hmm. So that was the bit. Again, again, the same situations when I come up to Aberdeen. What were we getting paid? I have no idea. I just uh, trusted Alec to make sure that we, I was getting a bit more than what I was getting at Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Went home and told, told the wife and we're off to <laughs> a new place in, in, in Manchester. So... I see my new, were they, doing, were they doing badly then or were they... Aye, they were, aye, they, they, were third, they were third bottom of the league. Mother. Ron Atkinson was the manager. Uh-huh. And uh, of course, when you're involved in football, we had, had played a tournament up at Aberdeen uh, the, at the start of that season. And Big Ron came up with a team from uh, Manchester United and we played against them. So we knew them. Yeah. It, that was the way things happened. It was just right out of the blue. And... Uh, Away we, we went down to Manchester. It was a tough time there at, at Manchester to start with. Uh, and then we recruited people uh, to do the scouting and stuff. You know, Brian Kidd was a, a major one for us. Yeah. Uh, he took over the, the young boy scouting in Manchester. And with him being a, a, a European Cup winner with Manchester United against Benfica, he scored in his 19th birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Wembley when they beat Benfica so mm-hmm. you know he was like the Pied Piper in Manchester honestly he could get any player or, uh, or stuff like that yeah. so we were fortunate in that respect so it was tough to tough start really tough start over the first uh, three or three or so years and then we we got beaten the uh, League Cup final at Wembley and then we won the cup in ninety with ninety, uh, someone ninety, I think. We won the cup. We beat Crystal Palace in the final at, uh, at Wembley after extra time. So you know that was us. That helped. Up and running. Hi. Kickstarted it. Hi. That that kickstarted the thing. Uh, definitely did. So uh, then all of a sudden. Um, I know that uh, Graham Souness had moved to Liverpool yeah. and I'd played with Walter at Dundee United and was a friend with Walter, he just lived down the road for me sort of stuff. So we, we were friendly and we were together and did coaching, went to the coaching courses down at large at the same time right? Okay. Uh, as he did. So we, we were, he, see, he knew what, what I was up to and, uh, you know, and then he gets, he gets uh, offered the, the, the Rangers job. Uh, and he gets in touch and says, would you consider it? And I said, well, he says, next week, next week, um, Man United are going to be playing Barcelona in the final of the Cup Winners' Cup. 
Right. In Rotterdam. So right. I was left for this, but they wanted a decision straight away. Did they? Aye. So it must have been uh, a tough one, a tough conversation. Oh, it was, oh, it was horrendous. But it's like any other job, you know. Then uh, I was just fortunate enough. So um, the the money at Walter said to me, the money you get, at, uh, I don't know what you get at Man United or anything like that. But I'll give you the same money as what uh, I, I was getting off of Graeme Souness. So the difference was unbelievable. So I'd really no option. I just had to take that for the benefit of my family, and that's that's what I did. Yeah. So it was better at Rangers than it was at Manchester? Oh, good, aye. 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 Double. Wow. Aye. Aye, so it just shows you, you know, then, at that aye. particular time, then Rangers were, yeah, were, uh, were really... Aye, fine. Well, as soon as, soon as, as soon as they'd kicked it off, hadn't they? Mm. Aye. Yeah. As, soon as, it, as soon as they'd kicked it off. And uh, so I was away, you know, I was away just to... A uh, week before the the, uh, the Man United played against Barcelona in Rotterdam in the oh. Cup Winners Cup final, so my first and I go to Rangers right. My first game is against Motherwell. Uh, it was two games to go in the season, and it was neck and neck between Aberdeen and and Rangers. Mm-hmm. So my my first uh, game I say at Motherwell, and uh, we got beat three nothing. So we're into the last game of the season against Aberdeen. <laughs> Funnily enough, against Aberdeen at uh, Ibrox. And uh, they needed a draw to win the championship and Rangers needed a, needed a win to win it. Right. So um, so anyway, it went on and uh, Rangers won 2-1. Rangers won, uh, and um, that, that, was, that, was, that was a different that, day for the... Gaza hat trick day is that another day. Oh, aye, oh, aye. that's that was before that. Right. Aye, that was that was before that. Aye. Um, so we were fortunate. We were fortunate in that respect at that time. So I was seven years there, you know, and uh, you know, then uh, won the championship every year, apart from the last year mm-hmm. uh, when we left in '98, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that was disappointing, but that was the way it was. You know, the club were maybe looking to uh, achieve more in Europe than what we had managed to achieve. But in '93, we really should have got to the final. You know, I think uh, the Marseille game against CSK Moscow and that was a fixed game because they were doing well, CSK Moscow. And then all of a sudden, Marseille and go and beat them 6 nothing at home. I know, so I that. Remember that? Remember Bernard Tappy, Bernard Tappy was the man mm-hmm. uh, in charge of Marseille, or the owner of Marseille. So, you know, there was questions to be asked about, about that, uh, about all that. I am afraid <laughs> so. But I better better watch what I'm saying. But anyway, uh, so we left there, and um, in actual fact, uh, Walter had been, you know, uh, approached by Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, to take the manager's job at Sheffield Wednesday. So we're actually on our way to Sheffield, right? Mm-hmm. We're on our way to Sheffield, actually was at Sheffield Wednesday, and I don't think anybody else has this story. Um, we're actually at Sheffield Wednesday, met the chairman at Sheffield Wednesday, and, sorry, on our way down there, Walter gets a phone call from Everton, offering us to come for an interview for the for the Everton job. 
Mm-hmm. So we're left. Well, what do you think? He's, he's asking me. I said, well, really, there shouldn't be any comparison between the two clubs. I mean, Everton, a far bigger club and that type of stuff. So anyway, we went down. We decided, no, we're going to take the chance and go to Everton. But we still continued and met the people at Sheffield Wednesday and had to tell them. So, ooh, that was a, wasn't a very nice meeting at all. There was no, there was no hassle or anything. They were, you know, they were perfectly all right about it. But you know, for to be going down there to be interviewed for the job and that, and then say that oh, we're no, we're no going to come and take it. Yeah. Uh, been offered elsewhere. So much better then, football, as you said. We then go, we then go to Everton. Aye, aye. aye. So that was uh, away we go to Everton. Four year there. Uh, Davy Moyes took over uh, from us. Uh, after that, um, Walter Walter then became the the Scotland manager, mm-hmm. and I I got in with the Scotland under twenty one team or all the youth teams if you like. Uh, and then there was a there was um, a thing where my pal Mark McGee, who came as a player at Aberdeen. At that time, I would have, I would have thought, well, if I get a job scouting or something in football, that'll that'll do me. You know, it was wearing on and that type of stuff age-wise. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Mark McGee gets a job at Millwall, right? And uh, he said to me, he says, would you come down and help me? So I went down to Millwall for, oh God, I can't even mind how long I was at Millwall, but no, no a hell of a long time at all. Uh-huh. And... Uh, and and we left there, and I'm just looking to see who my next one was. Let me see here. Oh, aye, that was, it was it was guys that were getting managers' jobs that had been players, whether it had been at Aberdeen. Well, that first one was with Mark McGee, right at Millwall. The second one was uh, Eric Black. Oh. Remember Eric Black. Uh, Eric, Eric Black, he was he got made the manager at uh, Coventry City. Yep. So I, uh, I uh, what do you call it? I went with uh, to, with Eric to Coventry City, and again it was only a few months in that, and they brought in Peter Reid as a manager. So right. I, I was I was finished for that time, right. but then I was back in to have having the uh, with the, with the Scotland. Squad again, you know. Uh, was that, that quite enjoyable? Was that quite enjoyable? Didn't it? I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed all that. But you, you know, you, you're only getting a game every flipping few months and stuff like that. So uh, I missed the day to day involvement. That was the biggest thing of the whole lot. Yeah. So Richard Goff then gets the job at Livingston. Now Richard Goff didn't have license. No, you have to have the the SFA license then. Right a job in uh, in the football clubs nowadays so yeah. I had the FFA license the SFA license in that and uh, I went and helped him for, uh-huh. for a bit and then after that um, Bolton Wanderers I knew Sammy Lee who Sammy Lee played for uh, for Liverpool for a long time along with Graeme Souness and stuff like that he got the Bolton job right and he comes on to me and says, would you come down and help me at Bolton? So I'm off again. You know, way well, down well to... Well-travelled. <laughs> unbelievable. 
Unbelievable. But I just liked doing it, you know, when you were full time and going in every morning. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. That was that was my uh, gives you a purpose. Uh, aye, that was that was my main sort of ambition to just uh, make sure I had a, a full time job in football yeah. and it was great. You must have learned so Sammy, much. Sammy didn't he sort of uh, again it was a short period. Can't remind you for there the full season or no. But that that finished. Uh, Gary Megson took over as manager and um well, he brought his own staff and that in with him, so I left there. But here we go again. Paul Ince, who played with Man United and that, and I remember Paul Ince, he was there when I was there. He became the manager of Blackburn Rovers. So again, he comes on the phone to me and he says, would you come and help me at, at uh, Blackburn? So that was me off again. Uh, <laughs> no, for a, no for a hell of a long spell uh, mm. as well. So um went to, went to Blackburn, had the spell there, and that was me. I was I was I was finished then, you know. Um you know, I'd, uh, uh, that was that was uh, I'm not taking any board jobs. Then I got a phone call <laughs> quite a bit later from Brun. Craig Brun. Uh, he says uh Motherwell have got rid of their manager and the chairman's been on to uh, on to me about Taken over just temporarily uh, until they found another found another manager. He says, "Would you come and help me?" <laughs> of course, I helped Brune with the Scotland team and that as well. So uh, previously, I says, "Well, I says how long?" He says, "Oh, they're reckoning they'll have a new manager within a month." I says, "Well, that's no bother. I'll, I'll, I'll come along and uh, and help you for that spell." So we went along there and. Uh, of course, it went all right. <laughs> the team started to pick up. And uh, although we didn't sign a contract or anything there, that was us. We were there for, well, a couple of years or something like that, qualified for Europe. Oh, well, uh, did, did well in Europe and and that type of thing. And then, uh, same same thing. Chairman and that just wanted somebody a bit younger than us, you know, rather than walking onto the, Training pitch with your walking stick and that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was it. That was that over. Once that was finished, I'm saying, right. Once you're done. Aye, aye. We'll be done with it. Then you get the phone call from Aberdeen. Craig's, Craig's got offered the job at Aberdeen. He says, would you come to Aberdeen with us? So we went up to Aberdeen and... Uh, this was my final one in terms of it because, you know, about a, over a couple of years not there again, qualified for Europe and and uh, had good spells up there. So that has been the coaching and managerial career. So plenty of teams, plenty of teams to go through. Well, that's a good 10 or 15 clubs at least, isn't it? Right. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you, I've got them in front of me here, 5, 10, 15, 20. Well, well some of them, aye, 20. 20 clubs. 20. You must, you must have learned so much for each manager, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch oh, on it. Oh, there's absolutely no doubt. You, and, no. and being at the coaching courses, that was the, the biggest thing for me because I was there for two years, took my licences, and then I got invited onto the staff when I was 24. Did you? Uh, and, a uh, aye, aye. Aye. Just an assistant to one of the ones that aye, was there ones. before. So the senior lads. And... Uh, God, I was in that for whew, 
25 year. Right. No, no full time, that was just in the summer. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and the courses were, at that particular time, they were two weeks, full yeah. time. Full time the courses were at that time, whether it was a B license or your top license. They've all got different names for them now and stuff like that. And is it, has it changed that massively since like the first time you were introduced to obviously all your coaching badges and stuff? Have you noticed like a big shift in the way it's like ran right. and or the, the way sessions right. are delivered and all that? Absolutely. Well, well it's quite interesting to see as well. For example, for example, then um, at Man United, uh, when Alec, or when all the places were Walter. Uh, with Alec Ferguson and that, when we started, there was him and I, the physiotherapist, the kit man, and that was it. There was no mm-hmm. sports science, yeah. there was no football analysis, there was no uh, play, guys' uh, recruitment. Now, I've got a pal who works at Liverpool with Klopp, and um, he tells me they took two, two buses to games. You know, they've got the staff in one bus, and of that, there's 27 of them go away games. What's your thoughts on that? Do you think it's a bit ridiculous or do you think it's good? What's your, your kind of, what, where do you sit in that? See, see, the, see the older, te- well, an example being when I went to Bolton, Bolton was the same, not as many as that, but they had a hell of a lot of masseurs and uh, fitness trainers and analysis people and mm-hmm. uh, people that did the weights and all that mm-hmm. type of stuff. So one day, um, I'm no, I'm only there about a fortnight, and Alex Ferguson, he's still at Man United. So I phone him up and I says, "Remember what we did in the staff we had at Manchester United? There was only four or five of us. That was it." And I says, "Up here they've got twenty-four." I says, "Have you got all these guys at Manchester United now as well?" He says, "Aye, aye." I says, "Aye, we've we've got a few like that." He says, but I take nothing to do with any of them. <laughs> <laughs> it was just what he did was uh, the most important thing. Well, in terms of fitness and stuff like that, then now the fitness people now all dictate to the managers and coaches uh, what, mm-hmm. they're, what they're allowed to do. But uh, in our day, then they did what we demanded of them. And that yeah. was the end of it. Um, I think it, I, I think it'd be it'd be fascinating to. It's obviously difficult to make a comparison because new players have got heart rate monitors, they've got distance trackers and all that. But it'd be interesting to see what a player maybe in like the sixties or seventies, how much ground they would have covered compared to like a player today. Like it'd just be interesting to to compare yeah. that. But you're not. Well, I, I mean, I don't. I don't think there's any doubt about it now that, uh, um, well, the top players and that Aye. they're quicker and they'll, they'll have well, that longer careers as well. Potentially. But the, but the, the one thing about the way the football is, right, and you watch the games and the passing uh, drill, well, no, the passing drills, but the, the passing uh, things that they have during a game and that is, is always when we were playing, the two or three passes and the ball must go behind the other defence. Yeah, I've been to games. I've been to games at Ibrox and that, and watching games. And I watched, I watched uh, a game one day, and it was a Rangers kickoff. Right, they've thirteen passes in their own half of the pitch, and the the fourteenth pass went out of play for a throw into the opposition. Mm-hmm. Now, people want to see, and it's the same with this VAR and all the rest of it. People want to see action, 
I mean, the way we the way we always dictated it was, especially with Alec, Walter, Jim McLean, was all about, see this bit about passing the ball about in the middle of the park and all that type of stuff. He says, it only, it's, what happens at either end of the pitch is the only thing that's of any importance. Mm-hmm. And if you even go away long, back to Charlie Hughes, uh, who was a, a coach down in England and did books and all the rest of it. And then in his books, Charlie Hughes, he would he would have st- stats like, it only takes four passes to get a goal. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. whereas, and, and there's only the one or two teams that can do it down in England, right? There's only the likes of, uh, well, Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, and then down for that, they're not having the same level of football, mm-hmm. but they're all trying to play like that. It's know. like, like, and and it was it came from the likes of Barcelona and that, or Messi and the, these guys at the mm-hmm. at the start. Where uh, is, that, is that Spain team that started it? Hey, remember the Spain team that won the Euros and the World that's, Cup? Well, exactly right. For there, didn't it? Oh, just the, the possession, and they had players capable of doing that. Now we're not producing enough players. Uh, and the reason for that, uh, when I used to take the even the under twenty ones, and um, I used to always try and get a, if you were away from home or another country and that, or or you were here, I used to try and get a bit where, when we're done our warm up and that, I used to say to the right, we need a ball and a wall, and you kicked the ball against the wall, you controlled it, and you did maybe about. Half a dozen routines, you know, chest mm-hmm. control, turning with the ball, all these sort of things. These are all basic things that kids should have from the time they start kicking a football at four years of age. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why, you know, the African countries and all these uh, foreign countries now are producing more players than us. I technically because, aye, but because there's nothing else to do in their lives. Mm-hmm. Now, I see my grandson and stuff like that, and they're on a phone. Yeah. You know, that's the first thing, thing you see. And you'll have that at school, I would imagine, as well. Oh, right. well the phones are a nightmare. Eh? The phones are I mean, a nightmare. They're constantly out and distracting them. Uh, uh, 100%. I've had my granddaughter over from Spain. And I want to say, look, I'm not sitting watching you on the phone all night or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You'll need, you need to find someone else to do or, uh, or whatever. But that's the way it is. And until we get back to, you know, spending more time with, say, any sport, you need 10,000 hours to be uh, an accomplished player at your, uh, your sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you, how do you become, do you, do you go on your phone if you're a golfer or practicing golf? <laughs> I know it's an individual sport and stuff like that. But you don't, you've got to go and practice. Mm-hmm. Now, the same applies to football. All right. They've got the thing with the ball and the head and the ball and stuff. Okay, if they prove that that's, you know, causing a problem in later life and it looks as if it is, then as a young player in that, then you've got to, as a young boy, then you've got to say, right, it's not necessary to do that. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to look after the ball and control the ball and stuff. I think it's just having those basic fundamentals, isn't it? Then you can go and play and maybe... Those, those systems where it is more possession-based or whatever it is, if you've got those basic fundamental skills, but until you've got them, then you're not going to be much of a player at all. You can't no. do anything with the ball. No. 
and uh, they're not being critical of anybody at all. But at the same time, we have uh, a Scotland team in the Euros uh, last season, and there wasn't a Rangers player in that in that squad. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I mean, uh, are we producing enough? You know, we're not producing enough. I mean, you never seen it. I don't know that your schools and that are allowed to play football in the playground and that that we used to do with a, a tennis ball. Mm-hmm. No, the thing is, so I don't know if you're allowed to play football in the I, playground. They, they are, but I just think there's just two. I think f- phones just completely they just rule the roost. And you get the the odd like squad of people that will go out and play football, but the bulk is like phones and just a lot of time it's not even having conversations with each other. I've never seen fingers move as quick as that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they can't play football in the playground. They can't play football in the playground in my school because it's health and safety, because it's, it's too bumpy. Exactly, that's another thing. Like, that's a problem. They need to play it on a 3G pitch where it's like good oh. surface. But See, you used to skin your knee in the bloody tarmac in the playground and stuff. So what was, big de- what was the big deal about all that? I know. I know. Health and I, safety. I, I think the Scotland team, I was watching the game on Saturday night, and uh, do you know what I'm that we produce too many possession-based players that just like to keep the ball in the middle of the pitch? We don't, have, we don't really have any, anything up front, like, and the shooting's horrendous in most of the... Like, well, well, I mean, I, 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 unfortunately, I didn't see the game. I had someone else on. I, I, I didn't see the game. But that would just be just a normal normal game for us, you know. Uh-huh. Quite good at keeping yeah. it, but there's nothing up front. There's no, no strikers. If you look, but if you look back, if you look back at the teams, right? Aye, I know. Celtic have won the league, you know, with Jock Steen, and every player came within 30, 30 mile a uh, uh, Parkhead. Now, n- now you're looking at teams, and uh, the, there's more foreigners in their team than than anybody anybody else. Yeah, All the teams. Yeah. I mean, even even first division teams and stuff like that mm. have got people for Turkey and uh, different places. Mm. And uh, so we should be able to, a, a country like us that really started off with football and stuff should be producing more. But we've got so many people that just like all these sort of conditions that they lay down. Okay, you're not allowed to head or anything like that. You're not allowed to play in the football because of health and safety and stuff like that. I mean, really and truly, we're we're way over top with all that, I think. See, in terms of the sports science stuff, what's your thoughts on kind of them managing kind of what the players take in and all that? Because I think, was it no back in your day, the... They used to like a wee brandy at half time and stuff like that, or was that? Was that, aye, that, was, that, that that's absolutely true. That, that's that? absolutely true. Uh, yeah, aye, aye, aye. <laughs> I was not sure if that. No, was I don't true. think I ever. T- I don't think I ever had one myself, right enough. But I mean, <laughs> but but in these days, right? Is, is that after the, the games, after the games, and that that was a different kettle of fish. <laughs> or or the week, you know, you'd have a a Tuesday night out with the boys or something like that, and that was a, a bevy in the way of the dancing. Was it? No. So, you know, all, all that sort of changed for Aye. the majority of, for for the majority of them. Hmm. But uh, so that's a true story, then, I. What was that? My players used to have a wee half at kind of half time to help them in the second half. Oh, so. Aye, oh, aye, that was a that was a that was a thing. That was a thing. But I can remember a game against uh, Man City, and Howard Kendall was the manager at Man City, yeah. and uh, we were playing them at Old Trafford. And um, 
Uh, how, I didn't know Howard Kendall, and he came into the wee room that Alec and I had. You know, we used to, half past two, they would come in, have a cup of tea and stuff like that. So Alec wasn't there. Uh, I'll tell you the story. Alec wasn't there, and I'm thinking, Christ, I didn't know Howard Kendall. So he come in, and uh, he says, ah, he says, I'm disappointed there's no, there's, uh, there's no, um, uh, Oh, what was it? What was his words he used again? Oh, it escapes me. I, uh, oh, I'll need to come back to that because just the way he, he talked about it. But he said that, that there's no drink. Oh, well, alcohol. Right I, but he didn't say that. There was no. Right. What was the bloody name he called it again? I'll I'll come back on that. But he was right. really talking about you know uh, there was there wasn't any. Hmm. He was he was looking, but anyway, I asked, I said to the kit man, I says, oh, was, I'll tell you what it is now. He says, oh, I'm disappointed. There's no team spirit in the dressing room, and of course I think because we're having a hard time here at Man United. Uh, so I kind of sort of walked out at this point, you know. Uh, I said I'll need to go and see. So I go to the kit man, and uh, I say to him, Norman, he says, what about him saying there's no team spirit in the dressing room? Oh, he says that's my fault. I says, how is it your fault? I says, how can it be your fault? You're the kit man. You to lay the kit out. He says, no, no. He says, uh, we, uh, we Man City and that. He says, I always put a bottle of whiskey in their dressing room before before the kickoff. Okay. Aye. So anyway, he says, wait a minute and the teams will take the field. So the teams take the field, right? Mm-hmm. And Norman says, come with me. He goes into the dressing room, right? And he comes out with an empty bottle of whiskey. <laughs> so all the staff had gubbed a bottle of whiskey <laughs> before they went out for the game. No, the players. No, the, the staff. But the staff, the staff would all have a good swally of the whiskey oh, before they went out for amazing. the game. That's amazing. So, so that's where the team spirit was then? That was where the, that's the team spirit stuff. <laughs> I love right. that. Um, right, so just looking at can I, from a teaching and coaching can I point of view, Archie, obviously they're, they're very similar in terms of the skills that are required to lead people to achieve that common goal that you're trying to obviously to get to. How did you, during your managerial and can I, assistant managerial career, can I get make sure you got the best out of your players? Well, first of all, a good discipline, right? And you had to have good training programs. You know, I, I, I did that at the coaching courses and that. But I also went away abroad on numerous occasions when I was at Man United and, and, and Rangers as well, even up at Aberdeen. I was in Germany and Holland and stuff like that, watching teams training. So you learned a lot there. And you could always sort of, you know, uh, just adjust it a wee bit to make it something different that uh, you could put into your your clubs back home. Mm-hmm. But the, the one condition I always, always had, uh, the discipline was the most important thing. Be there on time, be on the training pitch, and we're starting, uh, it used to be 10 o'clock in the, 10 o'clock in the summer, 10.30 in the winter. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't have, you didn't have uh, uh, pitches that were, you know, had the undersoil heating or anything like that. You never had anything like that. So you had hard pitches to, to, mm. to play on. Uh, even the likes of Aberdeen. And a lot of the summer, we trained down on the beach. Mm-hmm. And I can remember that the, the, if the tide was out, 
I would I would set the training the, when the tide was out and tide was in. <laughs> you know, so she had a a pitch in between the barriers, right? Uh, it was 110 yards, and if the tide was out, I could get 75 yards wide. And I would set out a pitch there, and we would have a little living aside games. But you then had to every every quarter an hour, you had to bring the touchline in a bit because the tide was coming in. <laughs> that's fine. But that's 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 the way it was. Mm-hmm. So see if you, you know, were late. Let's see if you turned up late. What would you do to the players if, they, if you were like if they turned up if they turned up late, right? Then sometimes you say, "Nah, just come back in the afternoon. Right. We'll give you a session then." And of course, if if that was an experienced player, mm-hmm. right? The, the the what do you call it? The younger players. I, I don't think I ever had anybody that turned up late. They were they were they were they were that scared that they were <laughs> going to. Uh, suffer more punishments or or whatever, mm-hmm. clean the boots all day or uh, that type of thing. But the majority, it didn't happen that very often. But you know, they knew the rules. They they knew the rules, and even the level of training, right? The level of training, as you were saying, the kicker get a ball against a wall, and you had the players at Aberdeen that were all top players. And of course they wanted they wanted it. Then they were having success, and they were having success through what they did mm-hmm. as a group, and what they did on the training pitches. So the training the training uh, uh, was was excellent. You never had any problem. And all the time I was in football with the top players, uh, you know, you go back to Brian Robson and uh, Paul McGrath and all the all the all these players, Loudrup, Gascoigne. Never had well, I'll rule Gascoigne out of that. Never had a moment, <laughs> but you never had a, I never had a, a bit of bother with any of them. Mark Hughes, none of them. Just, uh, just pros. Uh, training. They, they were good pros, yeah. and as long as they were getting stuff that they recognised as being part of the game and part for their position and stuff like that, then they they were happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I was lucky in that respect, but yeah. I learned that I learned that from Jim McLean, no doubt about that. You know, when I was a player at Dundee United, and I used to go back in the afternoons with the younger players uh, to see what he was doing with them and uh, and stuff like that. And he even had me when I was playing at Dundee United. He even had me taking S forms in that, um, and I'd be about twenty three, twenty four, or something. I was taking S forum training with them at a school uh, two nights a week. So that gave me a great thing as well in terms of, you know, how to behave, to, behave towards them. Or, uh, but you never had any of that other stuff, that side issues and that now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, about, all right, you'd maybe have harsh, harsh words with them or any, anything, but they would now, that would never be reported or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Everything's on social media and that now, isn't it? Have these in the papers? Oh, I mean, incredible. Aye. Incredible. Aye. See, in terms of Rangers, how, how he's, he's won seven championships or six, was it? Is it six? I was there, well, I was there for actually seven, but only had the last two games as, uh, <laughs> as uh, in, the, in the seventh one or the first one when I was there. So, see, in terms but, of like, like winning year in, year out and turning up to training, what was it like, obviously, 
Surely they must have been getting complacent. Was the standards not dropping in terms of training because they're oh, constantly winning? Like, how did you manage to maintain that high level? Or does the players just do that on their own? Well, they, they, no, they, they, the man put on uh, from the manager down the way was that, right, you train properly and you play properly, right? Uh-huh. And we had a great team spirit in that dressing room at Ibrox. Absolutely brilliant. Any two you Celtic supporters or anything like that? No, both Rangers supporters. <laughs> You're going to say that anyway. But, um, no, no, never, never a problem. Never a problem as as far as that was concerned. They knew they they were going to do their bit, and of course, the most important bit was the bit in the Saturday. That they were going to. They had to perform in the Saturday, and they had the capabilities. I mean, the the players that were signed and uh, were lucky enough to to be able to do that. And um, you know, uh, so you had top players. Oh, if they, any of them messed about, I if know. any of them messed about, there was a there was a couple where Walter, you know, had thought uh, they'd been out ordered and stuff like that. Yeah. So he just didn't play them in the Saturday. No. Told them, told them, that, and that's the reason no playing. Yeah. Uh, and we could afford to do that. That's a big but, enough threat, isn't it, for them to to keep the percent power of selection. Well, one hundred percent. Although yeah. you see it now, if you're getting two hundred grand a week in that, and then and you know, then uh, they can go away him or someone. I mean, to, uh, fly abroad with a private jet and uh, all this kind of stuff. So in our time, there was there was never anything like that. It must. Um, so see, obviously, you you were saying you was it twenty five clubs you counted there, twenty. 20, say 20. Aye, say 20. So obviously going to each new club, obviously starting afresh at each new club, like you must have at the stars that like laying down the ground rules, like things that you want, the standards you expect and all that. Every time. Aye. Absolutely every time. I don't know about you, Clark, but I'd love to have to, to hear what the standards and all that are. And just like, just to hear like a, a talk like that from a manager to his football team, I think that'd be brilliant. Right. Something that can be taken, obviously tweaked and, and taken into teaching yeah, when, you're meeting a, when you're meeting a class. You, well, you guys, you, well. you guys couldn't really take it into teaching because... I'd tweak it, that's what I mean. More, more than a few sort of... <laughs> <laughs> Half words. Words that you, aye, words aye. That you couldn't use when you're a teacher, right enough. You'd have a few parents on the phone. Aye, aye, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm sure the teenagers have heard half of them. Aye, aye. They, all, they will have, aye, <laughs> and they'll be using them. They'll be using them as well. So, <laughs> make no mistake, if they're away for the school, they'll they'll be using them. But mm-hmm. you know, then uh, aye, it was certainly uh, they were certainly especially young players. You know, when they came in and they had jobs. Nowadays, they don't do that either. You know. Uh, we had the young players up at Aberdeen who won the Cup Winners' Cup. You know, there was about six of them that uh, had played in that team that beat Real Madrid. And some of them were still doing boots and uh, training kit and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, that that was their job, you know. They'd, when they came as apprentices at 16, they had two years where they were on the ground staff. And uh, for that, it was uh, they would get a group of players... They had to get their kit ready in the morning. They had to get their boots cleaned. Uh, then they had to go out and he- help the uh, pensioners when they were clearing the terraces and that that type of stuff. Mm. Now, none of that, none of that happens nowadays. I, I and fair enough, but not what if you went to all these players that uh, we had under our wing, then I'm sure that they understood maybe not then 
but they understood as they've grown up and become more involved themselves and even in football or, or business, it was good dis- discipline for them. Mm-hmm. You know, be there at a certain time. No 10 minutes late, Aye. be there. And, uh, and, and we, we nailed that all the time. Aye. Never, and never to the extent, you know, oh, I mean, I would have fights with some of them and stuff like that. <laughs> but it, was, it was carry on stuff, you know. Aye, aye. But, um, uh, but they knew exactly that, what, you know, what, this is what we do at this fo- football club, you know. Uh, be there and be ready for the training. And I, I even set up an indoor thing for people who came in early. And we had a big bit of Pataudry, especially, uh, where I had he- head tennis. I had a ten- like a tennis court, mm-hmm. but with a football, aye. you know, and you played it just like ordinary tennis. Aye, and aye. then there would be head tennis, and then there would be bits where you hit it over a, a hurdle and kept it going against a wall over a hurdle. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was all just work they were getting before they started. Yeah. Before they started the training, and they wee games like that are dead engaging, but aren't they? They're fun. Aye, aye, and, yeah, they, and, they, and they would, and they would be comp- uh, they would be competitive for each other. You know, mm-hmm. um, sometimes they make it competitive before before the Saturday. We get any any stories for the kind of Friday the day before it when it's maybe five sides or it's short and heavy tennis. You get any. Oh well, any, any crazy injuries happened the day before? It been too over the top. Well, I can remember. I can remember uh, when I played in the nineteen seventy four cup final against um, you. None of you born before <laughs> at that time. The nineteen seventy four cup final against Celtic, and we had a practice match on Tannadice the day before the cup final, right? And Jim McLean hadn't nominated his team or hadn't said about his team. Well, if you'd ever seen a game like that, he had to abandon it. Or he would have had no players. You know, we were booting lumps at each other just to see if you could if you could force yourself or force somebody out and you would maybe get your position in the team. And he, had to, he had to abandon it after about a quarter of an hour. Carnage. Because everybody's saying... This is my last chance to see if I can get in the team. Nothing like that. Nothing like that now. Yeah. Although all the games with the top players in that, right? All the games were uh, competitive, competitive games. Right. Really, really competitive games. The training was competitive. Um, you would have competitions about, you know, strikers scoring goals and uh, defenders no losing goals. All that sort of thing. All add a bit of edge to it. That's good. You know, you couldn't just you couldn't just let them just sort of wander through the training and uh, oh, that's it over and done with. Yeah. It always had to be a purpose to it and a you know the intensity. Just, aye, exactly. Was it, was it Troop Rangers? It used to be the Scotland v England boys, and you had to referee. There was a, there was a, aye because they'd uh, aye just just. Uh, Funny good, things, good laughter. you know, married ones, married ones against other ones. But that was that was more a fun thing when it was when it was proper and uh, and stuff. Then, uh, then you, you, you went you went about it the proper way. I, I see. As we picked the teams and stuff like that as well to make it kind of more competitive. Anyway, can I move on? Oh, oh, aye. Move on. Uh, oh, sorry. You go. go on. No, I was just on you go. No, I was saying. Uh, in terms of picking the teams and, and stuff like that, 
Now, I well, I had no many arguments with Walter, but uh, or Alec Ferguson, or or Craig Bound for that matter. But when you're assistant, right, your job, my job was to, all right, give your point of view. And there's no point in going along and agreeing with everything they say. Because if you didn't agree with it, then you had to say it. Yeah. And uh, then if they came round to your way of thinking, then fair enough, I, I, I'd be I'd be happy with that. If they decided that they were going with what they'd originally thought, then my job was to back that up to the hill. Yeah. Not to complain about it to any players or any outsider or anything like that. I never, ever did anything like that. And uh, and that was the, that was the only way forward. Players would see right through that as well, wouldn't they? Just undermining yeah. each other. Players would see right oh, through they, that. They, 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 would, they would catch on to it right away. No. No. Well, I think they would die. They would, they would catch on to it right away, but we, we'd never had any, any problems like that. We'd have plenty of arguments about about players, mm-hmm. you know, about, uh, oh, do you think it's better playing him there or, or whatever? But, you know, then... You were assistant manager, and you had to assist the manager. That was yeah. that was the way I looked at my job. Yeah, good, good. Uh, we're nothing in between. Yeah, perfect. I uh, so you need to back the manager up, as you said. So move yeah, on. Well, one hundred percent. Last question to me. There's so many questions I want to ask you. Actually, we've kind of what's your biggest achievement, stuff like that. Best manager you've played for, best player you've played for. I'll go away. I'm going to guess your best achievement must have been Cup Winners' Cup uh, as a manager or nine in a row, but I'll go with kind of, what's the best player you've played for and, and, and why? Oh, the best player that you've, you've kind of assistant managed or coached? Oh, well, there's so many. I mean, you, for you God's sake. Pick, pick, pick one or two. Uh, difficult to pick one or two. See if you, see if you, see if you look at uh, uh, the clubs, right? Take the big clubs. Aberdeen. Man United, Rangers, Everton. Now, there was big players at every one of these clubs. Big, big players at every one of these clubs. You know, and to separate them, I mean, okay then, and, and playing different positions. Mm-hmm. You know, you had Goff and John Brown, uh, Go- Gorham as a goalie. Mm-hmm. You, had, uh, Loudrup, you had Loudrup, you had Gascoigne in your team. Uh, you had Durant before he got injured. You know, there was so many really top players. At Man United, you had Brian Robson, Paul McGrath. Uh, you know, really, really top, really top player. Duncan Ferguson at, at Everton. Um, so there's uh, so many difficult to difficult to to one to nail them down. But the one thing I would say: see, when you used to go and watch young players, and I used to go on a, on a Sunday with Brian Kidd. To watch, he says, "Come and have a look at this young lad at forty, or something like that." Now, in, in my time in football, right, uh-huh. there was only two players that I look at at thirteen and fourteen that I would have put money on being a top class, excuse me, a top class player. And the first one was Giggs at Manchester United, right, uh-huh. and the second one I was associated with was Rooney. At Everton. Now, Giggs played in the first team at uh, Man United when he he was seventeen. Yeah. Uh, Rooney, we tried to play or put Rooney on the bench 
when he was 15. But the school's thing did, didn't allow it or something like that. Right. So we couldn't use him. He, he wouldn't have started him in a game. Mm. But he, 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 was a, he was the size of a boy at, at uh, 15 as he was ever going to be. Oh, right. he got stronger and stuff like that, obviously. But talent-wise, you know, and temperament-wise, the whole lot. Now, the other ones, if you look at the other ones, Beckham, Butt, Scholes, the Neville brothers at Manchester United, then you would have never have said they're going to be, they're going to be certainties to be top players. No. They just, they, 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 their improvement came along gradually. So, so did you, you work with them as well? Did you work with them at Man U? Aye. Oh, aye. Oh, oh yeah. Aye, they were uh, they were all there, and that was all a result of when we the first the first week we went in. We, I mean, you've got what something like eight million people in the Greater Manchester area, and a lot of clubs. Uh, so with a, a few scouts, so when Brian Kidd become the one that took the youth teams and stuff like that, hence the reason he would have me out on a bloody Sunday as well watching <laughs> watching games with him. Mm-hmm. Then we got all the scouts together in the first couple of weeks we were there and said, "Look, there's a lot of players going to Man City. There's a lot of players going to Everton. There's a lot of players going to Liverpool. There's a lot of players going elsewhere." Right now, we're being what eight million did I say in the Greater Manchester area? Mm-hmm. Alex said to the scouts, "If any of them are a Man United supporter and they go elsewhere," then you'll know have a job. So the pressure was on these guys to come up with the players, to bring them in, mm-hmm. and then we would decide uh, uh, whether they were going to be good enough to get contracts. Mm-hmm. And see the contracts that they got, when the likes of gigs in that signed, again, before your time, it would be a YTS, no, a youth training scheme yeah. contract. And do you know how much gigs... Beckham, Butt, Scholes, the whole lot. Do you know how much they got paid as an apprentice? Give me a guess. What, a week? A week. What for the first contract for United? 500? 500? No. 300? £26.34. And what was the, so what year was that then, roughly? 90s? No, 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 no. Uh, 86. 86. Jesus. 86. 26. That was a YTS scheme for every, for every kid that left school mm-hmm. uh, and their training thing and the, the, the government paid it. So they got £26.34 a week and uh, Alec gave them a fiver for their mother and a fiver for their bus fares and that, getting to the training. Uh, it must be that must be one of the most difficult jobs, especially or one of the most difficult parts as being a professional footballer at that level is like you say, they start off at twenty six quid a week and then obviously the wages and that just skyrocket like you must yeah, like, especially as I I but as a young as a young person at say like eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old, like coming into all that money, that must be such a challenge to be able well, to to manage that nowadays, and nowadays you mean wild. In, I, just, these, in these days. In these days, that wasn't the big thing for them. You know, the, these days was the opportunity. Aye. They wanted to be, the, they were, and there would be ones that would fall by the wayside that, you know, didn't have the same graft to be a player 
as the likes of Scholes and Butt and Beckham and, and people like that, then mm. uh, just the determination to, yeah. to be there uh, all the time and giving of their best all the time. That internal motivation. Aye, absolutely. And if they didn't have that, they've no chance. Aye. If they don't have that, then... Somebody else is always fighting for their place, aren't they? 100%, aye. It's crazy, right. to think, it's crazy to think they all came through at the same time at Man U as well, like that generation. Well, that, was, that, was a, generation. that was more or less a result of that meeting we had that first two weeks about the scouts coming in. And uh, when we signed Giggs, right, his name was Ryan Wilson. His father was a rugby player uh, for Salford at rugby. And, uh, well, obviously they had separated and uh, he took his mother's name, Giggs. And, uh, you know, then... From there, um, he just went, he, you know, he, his forum just went through the roof, through the roof. And uh, no, the money, the, the money thing's a totally different, different kettle of fish now. It's just, it's went wild, isn't it? It's just out of hand. Aye. Well, the one thing about it, right? The one thing about it was that, see, when we first went to Manchester United, we just, Parked in the same car park as the punters parked in, mm-hmm. right? It was no special car park of that for it. It was a bit laid aside for the players and stuff like that. So when they came from the car park to come in, right, and they would come in maybe for a pre-match meal, half eleven or something like that. And at Man United, the punters going about a lot of punters going about at that time. With a three yeah. three o'clock kickoff, so they'd be signing autographs and that the way across. See now, no, I near them. You didn't, no, you've no chances. I mean, they, they park at the, the front door where they go into the stadium and then a steward and that will come and take their car away and mm-hmm. whatever. But mostly now they would be coming in a bus anyway because, I mean, the Friday night uh, for a local derby against Manchester City, we would be in a hotel. But a Friday night home game, we'd just be at home and turn up in the mm-hmm. uh, morning of the game. I just like you would as a, a Sunday league game. <laughs> just the same. Aye, that's amazing. Just, just the same. Change days. Aye, aye. absolutely. Change days, isn't it? Yes. Aye. Well, I, Archie, that's um, I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of your time in that as well. I just feel you've, you've shared so much information. It's been great to hear about your career and how many kind of different clubs in that that you've been with, and obviously you've just went into a, a lot of great detail. It's just been inspiring just sitting listening to you in that. So. With the with all of our podcasts, we we finish off with a wee quick fire round of, of three questions. So this is just kind of we ask the, the the guests the same the same three questions, and then right. the third one the third one's tweaked a wee bit obviously to suit the to suit the episode. So just kind of off the cuff, um, I'm going to hit you with a quick fire round. So are you ready? Fire away. Right, good. <laughs> right, number one. If you could have a giant billboard anywhere, what would it say on it? Do your best. Brilliant, short and sweet, can't argue with that. Right, number two, which people or books have had the biggest influence on your life? Um, the managers I've been associated with, Jim McLean, uh, Alec Ferguson, Walter Smith, Craig Brown. Brilliant. Short and sharp. And final one, number three, what advice would you give to a young football coach who is wanting to work full-time in professional football? Well, it has to be full time, you know. Nothing, nothing matters other than that. You're dedicated to your job. You've got to spend time. 
to the detriment of your family uh, because, I mean, I had two girls and I really didn't have anything to do with bringing them up. My wife brought them up. So, and if you asked anybody that's involved in football, was involved in football at the same time as we were involved in football and prior to that even, then it was just 100%. Yeah. You know, you got up in the, you got up in the morning uh, and went to the football and you came back at night and you were still thinking about football. Mm-hmm. I just consumed you for a wife. Total, total dedication to the thing. Uh-huh. I bet it's, even, it's like one of those things, one of those jobs, even when you're starting out, like if maybe you didn't have the experience as a player to break through, your, a lot of it's voluntary work in that as well to rack up your experience and having other wee jobs on the side. So it is, it's a massive commitment. To... Just, keep, just keep aiming for it. Aye. You know, because the, one, the only thing you're, uh, well, in the life in generally, the only thing you're uh, guaranteed is your disappointments. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that you're guaranteed. So you've got to get over them and get on with something else. And you lads will be the same in your job. You know, then yeah. if you go for another job or a, uh, something that's maybe uh, uh, as a, you know, up the up the table a bit from, from whatever job you're in or that's, that sort of thing and you're aiming for that, then if you give your best, then you know that, you know, then uh, there's a chance that you can do it or at least you know within yourself that, well, I've given it my lot, and if I haven't got it, then I can't do any more about that. Can't do any more about that. Mm-hmm. Nah, you can, you can sleep, sleep at night knowing you've tried your best. Correct. Aye, absolutely. I've got, I've got a lot of work to do here. No, no regrets. No, no, no regrets is Aye. is the thing. You know, oh, I wish I'd done this or I wish I'd done that. Aye, yeah. That's flipping. Aye. That's, that's Aye. no. That's no use. Mm-hmm. Know Aye, that no. you've actually done it. No, know that you've actually bloody giving it your full hit mm-hmm. and uh, if it hasn't come off or if you're lucky like me you know to have the moves that I've had then uh, then you can you can pat yourself a bit on the back a wee bit but I was lucky to be in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. you know Alec Ferguson asked me to go to uh, Aberdeen and then to Man United and, and then Walter coming to take me to uh, Rangers, Craig Brown, to take me, get Craig Brown to take me there with the Scotland squad in the 2002 World Cup and that kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. You, must have, you must have done something right though before if they're asking you to go and do that though. Well, 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 um, well, I, I, I used to, I used to say to them, I says, look, see all these clubs I've had. I, I see the other clubs you've had. I says, well, you know why I changed these clubs. I says, I changed these clubs because people were starting to find me out, so I just moved to another one. <laughs> <laughs> Start afresh. <laughs> I just did the same again. I did the same again. Exactly. That's the secret. Take that on, Bold Clark. Keep on the move. Keep on the move. That's going to be the quote of the podcast. Keep on the move. Keep on the move until they find you Absolutely. Right. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of the podcast. So, Archie, I just want to say a huge thanks from the both of us for giving up your time tonight. I think that's been almost a, an hour and a half that you've, you've been Was on, it? Is it really? chatting to his eyes. So, really, really appreciate What's that. It's in the Solheim Cup, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> that's been, it's been a pleasure to chat to you tonight and hear all about your, your experiences in football. And um, So, I just thanks for coming on and sharing it with us. Thank you.
Nou ja, Bye, boys. Thanks a lot. Best, super goes well.